Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Millions of lives swept away by the heavy tide of modern-day slavery. Children, husbands, and wives mired in abuse and exploitation, trafficked daily like mere commodities. Human beings devalued by human greed. Can a daughter be measured in dollars? Can a brother be valued in pennies? With less than 1% of victims rescued, the scale of this problem is gigantic when viewed. And its solution? You. What is an ocean but billions of drops? There are millions enslaved but billions of us. Join the largest global march against slavery of its kind. In defiance to enslavement, our feet pound the pavements. As local feet hit local streets, the patter swells into a global statement that slavery will not persist as long as we exist. I'm thankful that you're here on Freedom Sunday. Like Barry said, my name is Diane, and we are going to jump in a little bit deep today. It is crazy to think about that across the world, there are 40 million people still enslaved, and that's kind of heavy, but it's, it's more than any other time in history of people enslaved in human trafficking and indentured servitude and forced and bonded labor, and so... We're going to jump into that today, but we're also going to jump into something that I think is really near to the heart of God, and that's that today I want to show you how you can be free. I want to show you all that God has for you to be, and then how to help set others free. So we're going to jump in. It's going to be a great morning. I'm so expectant about what God will do and what he'll reveal in each of our hearts today. He is moving. And so how many of you have a fitness tracker? Show of hands, anyone? Fitness tracker, Garmin, Fitbit. Um, I've had a few Fitbits over the years. Um, and once, it was probably four or five years ago, we decided we were doing a little challenge at work and I was in a group. And a group of us decided we were gonna do the Weekend Warrior Challenge. And so that means how many steps can you get from like midnight to you know Saturday morning to midnight at the end of the day. And so we were going to have a friend I was especially excited because we were talking about it on Friday before it started at work. And she's like, I've never lost a Fitbit challenge. And I'm like, oh, really? She's like, nope. My family, my husband, my kids never lost a Fitbit challenge. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. Well, we'll just see what happens. She is super competitive. If you know me, I am super not. So I'm just like, okay, cool. Never lost a Fitbit challenge. Whatever. So we're going and we're like, weekend challenge. So Saturday comes and we're going. We're all taking our steps. So we're like neck and neck all day Saturday. I work on Saturday. So every time I would refresh the app it was like um sorry i have to breathe I'm talking really fast and I like to do that. But um, so she would look and it'd be like a refresh and she'd take 500 more steps and then I would take 500 more steps and we're all the way to like midnight Saturday. So I'm checking in, I'm going to bed, I'm like, Sunday it's on. You know, I gotta get up early and go to church. And so like I got I'm on the worship team that week, I'm playing keys. So we start off Sunday mornings and I'm like, yes, Lord, playing the keys. Like, you know, I'm like taking like, oh, how many ways around the stage can I go? Praise you, Jesus. Getting my steps in Sunday morning. We get home, I'm like, come on, Stella, it's our dog. We're taking a walk around the park, around the other park, around the neighborhood. We're going, and all day long, we are neck and neck. And I'm like, this lady is crazy. And she's probably thinking, Those, that lady is crazy. Um, it's really funny. So we get to about sundown. 
it's November, it's cold out, and I turn and I look at Sean Petrie and I'm like, okay, this is kind of the moment of truth. Like, are we just gonna be like, it's dark out, we're gonna give up, we're gonna go home, we're gonna be normal people. The dog is like begging for mercy, our feet are aching, like it's like, okay. And Sean looks at me without missing a beat and he's like, Petries don't lose and Petries don't quit. And I'm like, okay, so I guess we're gonna go. So it's like 9 p.m. and we're like, we have three hours till midnight, where should we go? So we decided to walk to Walmart. If you know where we live, we live at Hubach Hill and J Highway. Walmart is not right down the street. We're like, Sean's like mapping out a plane. He's like, it's exactly one and a half hours to Walmart. So we can spend the whole three hours of the rest of the day walking. It's four and a half mile walk. So we're like going, we're like, okay, come on Stella, get your dog shoes on, we're going to Walmart and we're like an hour and 15 minutes into this walk and I look down at the app to see where my friend is and there's a little messenger on there and she's like all right Petra you got this like I concede you win and we're like yeah we won we won the Fitbit challenge we're so excited and then all of a sudden it hits you it's like we're an hour and 15 minutes from home <laughs> out on the side of like Lucy Webb somewhere going great. So as exciting as the victory was, we won. I should be free to do whatever I want. I'm going, I'm walking, but I'm stuck walking home. I'm stuck dragging this dog. Sean might have carried the dog home. Our dog is not that active. We were stuck with nowhere to go but to turn around and start walking. So then insult to injury, we're still walking. Like until midnight, my friends are messaging. They're like, Petrie, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you still walking? I'm like, we don't have choice. We're stuck in this problem. We're stuck walking. And so it was too funny. So I actually found um, the screenshot of that day. This was just Sunday. I don't even remember how many steps we took on Saturday, but we walked almost 20 miles that day. We have a problem, a sickness probably, but um, you know, it was good. So we did that. But how many of you have been stuck before? You can look back and say, you know, maybe not physically stuck, but I was like in a situation, I was in a mindset, I was somewhere around like, I'm just stuck. I don't have anywhere that I can go, nothing that I can do. Um, and you know, I think about how many times I've been stuck in something that was in my past or a circumstance or something I can't overcome, something that was with me and I was just like, I just kept coming back to it. I kept circling around and as much as I wanted to get over that thing, I couldn't. And it's different for different people. It's fear, it's guilt or shame. It's sometimes it's complacency or apathy. Like I just don't even care what happens. It's um, insecurity or things like that that just drive us. And you think about that thing, and no matter where you try to make some progress to, you circle back around and you keep coming back to that same place. You're stuck. And so I want to encourage you today, we're going to dive in a little bit to see how I can encourage you to personally find freedom where you're stuck, okay? We're going to get unstuck today. We're going to break the cycle. So I want to start with a story um, from Deuteronomy. That is an Old Testament book. It picks up the story of Moses and God's people after they had already been freed from slavery, and they are wandering. So the Israelites, or God's people, had been in slavery for over 400 years in Egypt. Um, and God raised up Moses as a leader to bring them out of the captivity they were in. And he's like, cool, we're going to cross this Red Sea. A bunch of Egyptians are going to be gone. It's going to be awesome. And God does these huge miracles in their life. And they did all those things, and then they ended up right here. So let's start in Deuteronomy 1, verse 1 through 3. And it says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel. Sorry, I'm going to spell this by um, while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped on the Jordan River near Suf, between Paran, and on one side of Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab on the other. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by the way of Mount Seir. But 40 years 
after, and I don't want you to miss this. So the journey from Mount Sinai, where they got the Ten Commandments and did all this awesome stuff of God, to the promised land of God is about an 11-day walk. And it says after 40 years later, the Israelites left Egypt the first day of the 11th month. Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord commanded him to say. 40 years after God has given them this land, 40 years after he's given them this promise, and they have been wandering around this same mountain, wandering around the same wilderness and these same struggles for 40 years. At one point, they even asked Moses, take us back to Egypt. We don't like this wilderness freedom thing. We'd rather just go back and be slaves, God. He said, you know, they were freed from their slavery and they were freed from Egypt, but they were still in the mindset of slavery. They were still in Egypt in their minds and they were captive to that life that they knew. And it's kind of crazy that even though Egypt, they came out of Egypt, Egypt hadn't come out of them. God called them in this moment, hey, stop walking around this mountain. Stop circling the mountain that you're wandering from. You have to take a hold of the promise that I've given you. And so I want you to stop for a minute and just kind of think, what is your mountain that you're circling today? What is keeping you stuck from leaning all the way into what God has promised for you? And I want to share a quick part of my story and share my mountain with you. And this is from years ago. I was about 13 years old in eighth grade, and I was stuck in my mind. I was stuck, you know, in this idea that I'm not good enough to do this, and I was always searching for the next thing to kind of become whole. If I could just do this, then I'll be filled. If I could just do this, I'll be good enough. And like always seeking after the next thing. Um, I let the world around me convince me that if I could just do enough or be enough, then I would be okay and that would be enough for me. And I let, you know, other students at school who had harassed me or taken advantage of me convince me that I was only worth what my body could give or um, my leadership abilities or my, you know, good grades. So I was only worth what my mind could produce and how much I could achieve. I was only worth, um, you know, different opportunities that came along my way of comparing myself to other people or honestly I was in a place where I was always kind of seeking after the next thing and going to parties and drinking and doing this stuff at a super young age um, because life's just really all about the moment right and I was convinced myself that whatever the next thing I could get to to bring myself that wholeness was what I needed to do and in all of that I had all these things that I was doing but the reality is I was trapped in my mind trapped in the slavery, my own prison cell that was in. And I was enslaved in my world to my own selfish desires. And so I started thinking, I was like, why do we allow one part of our past, one thing that we're struggling with, and one situation in there hold us back um, and define our whole entire life? I think there's so many times where there's one circumstance or we let what one person did to us define our whole entire life and we make that bigger than what God has to offer for us. And I mentioned some things before, but it's a lot of things. It's fear, it's apathy, it's pride, it's complacency, it's anxiety. There's so many different things that your mind and the world and our enemy will tell you that you have to stay caught in. But God says, you have to stop circling the mountain. Stop wandering, stop being around this mountain in your life. It's time to do something different. So how do we break free from the slavery mindset? How do we stop doing that? So we go on, Moses continues to talk to the people in Deuteronomy 1, 6 and 7. He says, when we were at Mount Sinai, so that's where they got the Ten Commandments, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites, 
move on. And I want to pause there for a second. It's like it's time to break camp and move on. The Israelites had gotten so comfortable wandering around in the wilderness. They've been doing it for an entire generation. And God starts telling him, hey, you need to go here. You need to go to the hill country. You need to go to the Jordan Valley. You need to go to the foothills. Um, you need to go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the Euphrates River. And what we might miss looking at this that the Israelites would not have missed is that God is describing to them the exact place that he told them that he was going to send them to go so many years before. And they would have known that, hey, this is actually the land God told us to go to, but our disobedience and our fear and our confusion and our negativity kept us out of that promise that God had. And so God is telling them, you have to stop walking around the mountain. You have to break camp and move on. And break camp is a hard thing because that means you have to stop and look at where you are and say, is this where I'm supposed to be? Am I stuck? Am I even in the right spot that God wants me to be in? Am I too comfortable right here to reach out and really say, God, I want to do whatever it is you have for me. I want to be fully free. And in my own story, by the power of Jesus only, I can't take any credit for that. When I was 14, I actually met Jesus. And it did change my life. God didn't just come in and say, oh, you struggle with this insecurity, you struggle with this fear, you struggle with this drinking and partying. I'm going to check and just fix all those things. God stopped and he made me completely new. He said, you are a new person, you're a new creation. And he rescued my life for the sole purpose of me being able to rescue and reach other people. God has plans for the struggles in your life. He has plans for the circumstances you've gone to. And God says, I'll take that hard thing that you're struggling with and I'll redeem it. I'll fix it. I'll make you new so that you can go out and your story can reach other people. God wants to take everything that the enemy has made in your life and redeem it for his own. And he said, hey, this girl struggles with that. Well, I can use her story to reach somebody else later. God is in the business of taking broken things and making them new and making them beautiful. And everything the enemy has used to destroy your life or to keep you at the mountain, God wants to use to redeem your life and somebody else's today. And so I've got good news for you today. I don't know all of your stories, and my story isn't some, you know, I was not trapped in human trafficking, got rescued, and you hear about these crazy stories, but my story is powerful because God reached into my life and he redeemed it. And I don't know where I would be without the love and the grace of God in my story. But God will do the same thing for you. He'll take your story wherever you at. I don't know your story. He wants to use that to make a difference in the world. He wants to use your story so other people can find freedom. Through the redeeming power of Jesus, where you start is not where you have to end. And I'm so thankful that that's part of my story, that nobody would have looked at the life of that 14-year-old girl who was at parties and hanging out with older guys and doing all this stuff and said, oh, I bet she's going to be a pastor's wife someday. I was probably one of the hardest friends to invite to church, to be honest with you because I wasn't into that kind of stuff. I didn't grow up in that kind of world, but somebody took a chance, and I think God used that person to make my life different so Jesus could redeem it, so I could be here today helping other people find freedom. You know, and so I don't know your story today, but I do believe that God will do that in your life wherever you at, and that's incredible. You know, today we have to embrace the redemptive power of Jesus. We have to be transformed because Jesus is alive, and our lives is the only way that the world is going to see that. We are God's plan to make a difference in the world. And so looking at the text, Moses said to the people, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. You've stayed long enough at this fear. You've stayed long enough at this disobedience, at this negativity. You have to move and you have to be done with those things. 
But that's like a super easy thing just to be like, oh yeah, just do that, just move on with your life. But it's not, moving on can be painful, right? Some, how many, you know, if you've woken up one day and said, okay, today's the day, I'm gonna be different. I was just talking to somebody, they were like, I did six days of Whole30, <laughs> you know? I made the decision to do something, but actually walking through it and doing it is difficult, right? It's not as easy as it looks, that process of walking through is hard. Um, and so I was thinking back and I was like, you know, sophomore year of college, I actually broke my leg in like three places. I broke two ankle bones and a leg bone. I wish it was because I was doing something really awesome, but it's not. I was just playing soccer in the backyard and I just stuck my foot down and turned. Sean was there, he's really proud, he like, was my knight in shining armor and carried me to the car and his mom tried to call a life flight. And I'm like, we're cool. Sean's mom gets real nervous about injuries and illnesses, so it's funny now that Sean married a nurse, but I'm like, they're cool, it's fine. But no, so we were there, my leg was broken, and it hurt. It's that, if you've ever broken anything, or like really snapped like a big tendon, that unmistakable like pop inside of your body when something is not right, and you're like, this is not gonna go well. That's what happened, and so went to the hospital, they splinted it. A couple days later, I had surgery, and the whole thing was, yes, very painful. It's not a fun process to do, but what I didn't even realize at that time, I was like 19 years old, was that the process of breaking my leg while it was painful was kind of a temporary thing. Like, it was broken, it hurt for a few days, they did surgery, they fixed it, and we're like on our way. But it was 12 weeks later after I got my foot out of a cast, and being in a cast for 12 weeks is a long time for one joint to not ever move, um, I realized that I had to go through a process of rehabilitating my leg. So that wasn't just like, a, you know, I could just be like, nope, we're just gonna limp forever. I'm not interested in bending my ankle again, it's cool. <laughs> um, but instead, I actually had to, so when they did surgery, um, I had you know, incisions on both sides of my ankle, and when it had sat so long in that position, scar tissue actually adhered, not just to like where they had cut it open, but through all the layers and all the way out to my skin, and so my ankle literally wouldn't move. And day one of physical therapy that we went to, they're like, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the only way to get your ankle to work again is to actually break up that scar tissue which I tried for like one second on myself and it was really hard. So again, Sean Petrie, the knight in shining armor, had to come in, literally took his thumbs and like jammed it on there and just mashed around on my ankles until the scar tissue broke up. I was literally crying and I'm not like a super crier, but man, it was painful. And if you've ever been in that experience, you know, like that process, I could have just decided, you know what, this is too hard, I'm not interested. But to regain full strength in my ankle, to let it do what it was made to do, I had to go through that process of pain. I had to go cause myself pain to hurt, to make it back to what it was supposed to be. And our life is that way sometimes. We can make the decision to day one start, I'm gonna do this thing, but sometimes we have to embrace that it's painful to walk through a process to decide, I'm not gonna be insecure anymore. I'm gonna change my mind. I'm not gonna be afraid anymore, God. I'm gonna walk through that pain. You're walking by my side, and we are gonna be made new together because of what you've done in my life. And God said, you've stayed here long enough at this mountain. It's time to take possession. It's time to grab the land. And sometimes it feels easier to take that first step than to take you know, the last step. Being unstuck from fears and the insecurities in my life was hard. And I'd like to say when I was 14, I was like, yep, fully made new and Jesus saved, redeemed, all that stuff, but that's a process. And sometimes when I'm in a struggle or in a hard place, I go right back to that mountain of insecurity and say, well, as long as I can get all this stuff done, if I can just be good enough, I can make this there. So God has called them to stop circling the mountain 
break camp and move on. And finally, his last piece is you actually have to take possession of the land. In Deuteronomy 1.8, he says, look, I'm giving this land to you. Go in and occupy it. It's the land I swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. And so what I want you to see here is this is not the first time that they knew that God had given them the land. The promise was already given to them, but they hadn't taken it. Did you know that you can be delivered, but not live free? And the story is so powerful because I really want you to get that. You can have all of Jesus living in you, the full of the gospel and all the power of God in you, and you can still sit living in your own prison cell, captive by your own mind and your own life because you fail to go out and actually do what God has called you to do. Sitting there, the door is open, the keys are unlocked, but you're sitting stuck because you've been delivered by God, but you have not fully embraced the freedom to walk out and do what he's calling you to do. And that's what these Israelites were doing. And so I asked, why are we waiting for that freedom? Why do I go back and sit in that prison cell of whatever's holding me back because I am too afraid to go out and take hold of what God has? And the New Testament says it this way. In Galatians 5.1, it says, So Christ has truly set us free, so make sure that you stay free, and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And I want to say that again, because just because you have the freedom of God in your life, it says, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You have to stay out of slavery. You have to make a decision to say, God, I'm not going back to that captivity. I'm not going back to that thing you delivered me from because you can take my life and you can do so much more with my pain and the things that you have brought me through than I can. And the way that you do that is you don't keep God outside of the dark places in your life. And honestly, you don't keep people outside of it either. You have to have people, people who love God next to you to say, you know what? I'm in a dark place. And I need somebody here to walk alongside me and to say, we're going to go out of this prison cell together. We're going to do this because as soon as I push God out of that place, as soon as I push everyone else out of that place, I might as well lock up the keys and be like, sorry, God, not interested in what you have for my life. Because it's that powerful. And I think Satan's biggest weapon that he uses on people who know Jesus and people who don't is to make you feel like you're alone in it. He's going to make you feel like nobody else has your struggle. That girl's up on stage, so she must not struggle with feeling like she's going to throw up when she gets up to talk in front of people. She must not struggle with insecurities and fear. She must not struggle with what her next step to do with God is. But that's not the case. Just like anybody else in this room, I get up and I struggle with, am I leading my kids right? Am I good enough to do this job, God? And I have to stop and say, you know what, no, I'm out of that prison. I don't have to be good enough to do this because God through me is doing what he's calling me to do and that's enough for today. And so it's so easy to return to that, that wilderness. For me, it's insecurity. I have to be good enough, I have to perform and I have to stop and shut up that voice and say no. I have to get with Sean and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, I need some help. I need you to pray with me. I need to get around other people in my life because it's so easy to return to that but I've got really, really good news today and that's God is in the freedom business. He wants to take all of those things. He wants to take every struggle you have, every struggle I have, all of these things and use it for his good. Everything that the enemy has tried to use and destroy in your life, God wants to take and redeem because of his namesake. Like, we get the benefit along the way of being, you know, having all that God has to offer, but he does it for his namesake because he's good and we're here to be his representation in the world. God has set you free today, and so he says all those things. I want to use that struggle in your life so other people can find freedom. God has set you free. Do you believe that today? 
It's exciting, I know. I'm not very good at getting the shouting downs like Sean. He's a little bit rowdier than me, but that's okay. Um, okay, so you're free, right? So you've done these things. I stopped, circled the mountain, I broke camp, I'm free, I took the land cool. Now what do you do with your freedom? It's a good question, you know. And something so powerful hit me this week. I've been kind of deep and heavy into this idea of human trafficking, and you watch these videos and read these statistics, and it's literally heart and gut wrenching. You're in this stuff, and you're like, man, there's a big world out there, and man, I have it so good. <laughs> like, even the struggles I look at and see in my life, like, it is not even come close to the things that some people are struggling with in their life. But I want you to really take on, if you remember one thing today, it's this idea that freed people Free people. I want you to say that with me, okay? Free people, free people. So you have this freedom. You've grabbed a hold of what God has for you. And so what do you do with it now? Now God's calling you to go out and make a difference. It's not always a kid in slavery. I wish it was. I wish we could rescue all 40 million people. But sometimes it's your neighbor who's stuck in their own prison cell, who needs the love of Jesus in their life. It looks different, and you have to be in tune with the voice of God calling you to that. But freed people, free people. God rescued each of us who know him so that we could go out and make a difference in the world. And so today is Freedom Sunday. We're going to lean into that just a little bit, but there are some staggering numbers like we've heard. There's 40 million people across the world estimated who are in slavery. That has very specific definitions that they've been trafficked. Um, and sex trafficking or bonded you know, labor or indentured servitude or that even includes like people who are child soldiers across the world have been taken out of their situation and being used as a commodity for somebody else. Um, mostly for other people's money, the idea of slavery and what people are doing around the world with it is one of the biggest money makers across the world because people are paying a lot of good money for people and they're not a commodity, they're real people just like you and me. Um, the estimates that I found is that one in four of those 40 million people are children. And they're not all teenagers, they're little kids. And it's heartbreaking when you have a kid, you're a parent, you start looking at these things and you're like, okay. Like these are not just random, 40 million seems like a big number, but it's a big deal. Um, and so I also wanted to let you know, it's not just an out there problem. It's not just little kids in Southeast Asia or you know teenage girls in the Ukraine, but there's estimated 400,000 people in slavery in the United States today. And working kind of on the front lines in the ER at Children's Mercy Hospital, we do a lot of training on this kind of stuff because a lot of times people will come in and seek medical care is the only way that they can get any time away from the people who are enslaving them. And I think back there was a girl, it was probably six months ago or so, and she was 15 or 16, and she came to the ER with her husband, which was already like a big red flag for us. We're like, that's weird. We don't see too many married 16-year-olds in our um, just kind of in our area, in our ER. It's not a common cultural thing for us. But she kept coming back to the ER. She would come in, there's nothing you know, wrong with her, but she kept coming and saying, oh, my stomach hurts, or oh, my leg hurts, and we're doing what we can to do, but we can't get her husband to leave the room, and we're doing all we can to try to get a hold of her parents. We call them and they're like, oh yeah, that's her husband, it's cool. Um, but just the heartbreaking way that she was just coming in, she wasn't say a word, won't say anything, we can't get her separated from, you know, her husband in the situation, and it's heartbreaking because you know something is not right here, but if she won't actually say, I'm in danger, that you can't intervene and jump in that situation. And I say all that to say, like, I don't want you to just think this is an out there problem because it's people you walk by at Walmart, and it's teenagers that your kids might know. I've seen stories of kids who've been trafficked who still go to school every day in high schools, and they're being, you know, pimped out on the weekends and the evenings, and then their traffickers send them back to school so that nobody's suspicious. And so, as a church, it's kind of saying, you know, it's easy to say, 
well, what is God doing about this, you know? Why doesn't God care about these people? And I've been so moved to say, like, God does. And what he did was he sent us. He sent his church to be a voice on behalf of this because freed people free people. And when Jesus was first starting his ministry, he went to the temple and he opened up and read from the scroll. And I want to share with you what he read to the people there. And he said in Luke 4, 18 and 19, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. And I want to let you know that freeing people and slavery was not our idea. It was Jesus' idea. And it was even before Jesus was born, it was prophesied from the beginning of the world. And so I'm going to share a quick video with you. Um, it's from an organization called the International Justice Mission. And their job is to go out into those hard places in the world and free people as they do. They have lawyers, they have a law enforcement. Um, and this is just a really heartbreaking and raw look at one example of one story. Um, and I like sharing this video because it really helps to see the power of a story to say it's not just some 40 million people out there, but here is an example of two kids who were in slavery. So take that staggering number and make it real for you today. So check out this video. Superman has the best job ever. He gets to fight crime. I want to be like Superman and protect my sister from the bad guys. She is my best friend. Mom says if I work hard enough, Someday my dreams will come true. I tell Gabby she is safe when I put my cape on her. Nothing can hurt her then. I tell her to think of birds. They are free and can fly away. I wonder if one day I can grow wings like a bird and fly. Maybe as fast as Superman. Maybe one day me and Gabby can raise him. If I ever meet Superman, I would want to ask him one question. Did he ever have to hurt the ones he loved the most?
tell me that I would make a good sidekick and that Superman would want me to fight crime with him. Because they say, even Superman needs a little help sometimes. powerful when you see what that really looks like in the life of people and there was a whole lot of videos that I could have chosen from to show but I chose this one because that story is so powerful of how much that Marco loves his little sister and um, it wasn't very much of a stretch for me to see Jack and Emery in the lives of those kids a brother who loves his sister who's his best friend and a mom who had reached some kind of desperation in her life to have to sell her children in that way. It's heartbreaking, but it's true and it's real. And it's out in our world today. Um, I think it's a good reminder to see faces of real people who have been made in the real image of a real God who need our help today. And it's hard and it's heavy, but it's something that God has given us to do because freed people free people. We have been given a gift of salvation. We've been given a gift to live in our country. Most of us have been given a gift that we haven't had to worry about these kind of struggles on a daily basis. And freedom begins today for people like Marco, and you can be a part of that solution. I want to share a quote from Louis Giglio, who's the founder of the End It Movement. He said, it's absurd that there are more slaves in the world today than any other time in history. It's not any one person or one organization that's going to solve this. It's every one of us doing what we can at the level of influence we have to not only shine a light on slavery, but to end it. Because God's mouthpiece for these oppressed people is you. And so my question for you today is now that you know, what are you going to do? Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And so today I want to invite you to a tangible opportunity to make a difference. To take one step towards freedom. The journey of a thousand miles, it starts with just one step. And so on October 19th, we're going to come together. There's a local walk for freedom sponsored by A21, which is a great organization that does a lot to free people from slavery. And we are going to join together with thousands of people across the world. It's not just a U.S. thing who are coming together to use their voice and their influence to say, today, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take a step. And every step that we take is one step closer to bringing people out of oppression for their life. Every step that we take is one more step towards justice so that kids like Marco and his sister can be safe and they can know they're loved and they can have a hope of a future that Jesus loves them as well. Because really when you think about it, Jesus took a step to walk to Calvary to set us free. He had to take a walk up a hill to go in and rescue us. And not only that, but once he died, he took a trip down to hell. 
he went down there and he said, you know what, I'm going to go down here, but I'm not going to stay. I'm going to be alive. And it actually says in Revelation 1.18, this is so powerful, Jesus is telling John, he says, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold in my hands the keys of death and the grave. People on this earth are not going to be captive anymore. The enemy is not going to have victory over them because I have the keys to the locked cell. I went down to hell. I got it. I'm bringing it back today for you so that you can have freedom. He has unlocked the cell you were stuck in today, and he is calling you to carry that and forward and go and make a difference in the lives of people. So today I'm going to ask you just one quick challenge. Will you walk so others can be free? And not just the walk itself, but will you be a mouth poet piece for those who can't speak for themselves? Will you use your influence and your sphere to make other people aware? Will you post it on social media? Will you say, I want to give to organizations that are doing an incredible job of going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus to rescue people? Because it does take some sacrifice of time and influence and resources to make a difference across the world, but I really believe that we can do that because it takes freed people to free people, and today you have an opportunity to make a tangible difference in the world. And four years ago, I took 45,000 steps one day for a silly challenge, but today I'm asking you, will you take one step towards freedom to make a difference